Radio for the Agile Community. www.agile.fm Welcome to the Agile FM podcast. And today I'm here with a New York native uh, with Heather Fleming from the Guild Group. Uh, the Guild Group, G-I-L-T. Um, what is that Guild Group? And first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So Guild Group is an e-commerce technology company. And uh, we specialize in luxury merchandise and offering that luxury merchandise to our customers at a discount. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the flash sales model, how do we scale in the flash space? We're the leading flash sale company. Mm -hmm. um, we, we are constantly looking for ways to keep this model growing mm -hmm. uh, and alive and uh, always offer value to our customers. Okay, what is flash sales? So for a, per a period of time, a set period of time, uh, typically maybe 36 hours, uh, we will offer a sale, uh, whether it's a specific brand or a collection of merchandise. And uh, just for that period of time, that, that merchandise is on sale at a discount. Mm -hmm. So um, our sales typically start at 12 noon every day. Uh, this is Eastern time. And... Mm -hmm. um, we, can't, we see this huge rush and spike in traffic uh, and conversion at that time because everybody's coming to Guilt to see what do they have today, what's on sale. Mm -hmm. um, and there's kind of a little bit of a battle over the best merchandise, which uh, feeds this shopping frenzy that, uh, you know, typically before the flash sale model was in existence, people would do this at sample sales mm. uh, throughout the city. So they'd wait on these tremendously long lines to get into this special sale uh, to secure like luxury goods at a discount. Mm -hmm. So we brought that to the world online. Okay. So so this is e-commerce. This yes. is obviously uh, a day-to-day -day business. This is, I would assume it's very dynamic uh, from a business model's perspective. Uh, also, yes. as you mentioned, from a traffic's perspective. Um, you, we can imagine this is a key initiative uh, and you are part of that program management team and you have yes. decided... Um, to go agile with this a while ago. What were the motivators? Yeah. What were the drivers for going agile? So uh, I started with Guilt in August of 2010. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my job was really to come in and uh, form the PMO, which is the, the program management organization. And typically, um, people start to feel a little bit nervous about a PMO being established because you know, as, a, as an engineer at a startup company, you're used to you know, very flexible ways of working and all of a sudden a PMO comes in and the first thing they want to do is implement a lot of processes and procedures and they consider it red tape, right? All these people are going to get in my way of getting things done. Um, so my specialty, however, is in finding unique ways of working that uh, really grease the wheels and add tremendous value to an engineering culture. Um, I don't really uh, believe in uh, traditional waterfall style methodologies. Uh, my philosophy and way of working is naturally agile. Mm -hmm. um, so coming in here, people are even afraid of agile though. Uh, there is a hesitancy towards any kind of formalized process. Mm -hmm. And as, as I'm sure you know, like agile has a set of uh, a set of rules or guidelines or principles uh, under which we work. And it is 
a challenge to get people to adopt them and understand them and also mold them to what they want to accomplish in a better way of working. Mm -hmm. So um, coming into Guilt, uh, you know, I have a lot of experience under my belt um, working in this way. And uh, it was a challenge to kind of get everybody rallied behind, okay, let's try to find a common way to work and a common way to speak about work. And it took a few iterations of trying out different methodologies with the teams um, from going from, we called it Swagathon. Uh, essentially what's, what we ended up doing was uh, having like a pool of resources that we pulled from to work on specific projects mm. and people could request uh, work from this pool through a meeting called a Swagathon, right? So, but of course what happens is you end up with a backlog that's longer than you're able to complete work. Well. So it was just unsatisfying, right? There was just a, a never ending backlog of important work um, and it was difficult to get things done across the entire organization. So we moved from that to uh, more of an initiative-based model. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that this is really the key uh, to get people rallied behind a common vision and also to understand how that vision ties into the larger strategy for the company as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm happy to you know, walk through how that works yeah. uh, if you like. I would love to. I would love to. And uh, maybe before you do that, maybe you can just give the listeners um, just a little bit of a feeling of size of the uh, organization as well. When we're talking about initiatives, how big are the teams? Uh, how many teams are there? Um, just to get a feeling of size of the Guild Group. Sure. So uh, I work in the technology department at Guild. And mm -hmm. uh, in technology, there are approximately uh, 100, 130 engineers uh, and it's based out of New York City as well as Dublin, Ireland. So we have a nice group of folks out there as well. Um, and we work on any number of initiatives, initiatives from customer-facing product initiatives to back-office operational initiatives. Mm -hmm. So uh, the PMO, uh, which is the group that I head up, is a centralized organization that gets to see what's happening across the entire span of technology. Uh, and we work a lot with all the different stakeholders and partners in the department, in the different areas of guilt mm -hmm. uh, to provide visibility and communication and also a lot of deep partnership to move the needle on our KPIs for each initiative team. Mm -hmm. So well, guilt as a whole is about a thousand people. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's a relatively, you know, it's a large organization considering how young it is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have people in New York, New York City. We have people in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a number of remote folks um, in Ireland and Limerick as well. Okay. So you mentioned a little bit the red tape before. Yeah. Yeah. But you also, uh, you're very open about uh, mentioning uh, that you are an advocate of something called just enough process. Yes. Um, how do they go in sync um, not having the red tape, obviously, but what is just enough process? You explored a, a few processes you just mentioned, but uh, how did you end up in the place where you are today? So um, when I started out in project management, the first thing I did was and I, I went and I got my PMP certification, which is you know very traditional style, mm -hmm. uh, very paperwork heavy, very. But it's what I believed was the right way of working, mm -hmm. um, and. And, uh, and part of this is my personality is very much like I'm a list maker. I love the secure, 
empathy that the paperwork gives you. I love the sign-offs. You have something to point back to. And so for a while, you know, that was my world mm. in project management was working in this very heavy pre-planning, mm -hmm. um, everything documented style. And um, I ended up really shifting uh, in the past, I would say, eight years uh, of my career to uh, a more agile style of working because I realized just how much time I was wasting and how much paperwork I was re rewriting mm -hmm. and it just was not efficient and I I'm an action oriented person okay you know I I don't want to hide behind my paperwork I don't want to use it as a crutch Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm really engaged uh, with people that I work with, and I want to make sure that we are doing things, yeah. not just writing about them or planning them, that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I started to do a lot more uh, research into Agile methodologies and Scrum specifically. Uh, I luckily worked at a place, I was working for um, Exo Group, which is uh, most well known for the not.com. And I was luckily working for a company that allowed me a lot of flexibility in experimenting and methodology. So we tried to roll out Scrum across a number of teams uh, to see how that would work. Mm -hmm. And uh, through doing that, and also at that time, I, I had read the book Rework, uh, the thir 37 Signals book. Yeah. And it was kind of a, a major turning point for me, um, just personally and professionally, like to realize that there is a better way of working specifically with software development mm. and and having the freedom to experiment with teams and having those teams be really responsive to these new techniques yeah. um, and learning what works for them and what doesn't work and what do they react positively to and what do they not like. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a, a development for me to break out of this old style of working and then really start to think about what is the future of project management? How do we make this discipline something that engineering teams are asking for a PM instead of being like, oh no, I'm going to get a project manager on this team. Like that means like I'm going to have to sit in meetings and write out, you know, documentation and everything else. So it was really the spark for me to really to make project management something new. Um, mm -hmm. And there isn't even a, a traditional PM role uh, in Agile, right? For Scrum, you can compare it to the Scrum Master or you can compare it to the product owner. Right. But we were project managers. Like, where do we fit? Where do we fit? So um, sometimes we take on a Scrum Master role. Sometimes we take on the product owner role. But it's it was important to me to not box us in by mm -hmm. any traditional definition but to really talk about what's working and talk about what's not working and change things and adjust and adapt and be agile about our agile methodologies. Yeah. Um, so having done all of that, you know, and then being able to do that at Guilt has been an incredible experience. Um, and the teams today, we are not operating under one specific agile methodology. It's more a philosophy, a way of being. Um, and then, we are trying to figure out for each team based on who's on that team. Mm. What are the personalities in that team? What are they going to respond to or not respond to? Um, I started to get deep into the psychology of it. Yeah, I was just going there. You, 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 <laughs> I, I see you I have a psychological aspect here of, of software engineering, how you assemble uh, the teams. 
Yes. Uh, you also have a, um, I think it just goes by the MBTI, the uh, yes. Myers-Briggs, uh, what is it, type indicator? Yes. Yes. Um, so that there are certain types you categorize and uh, you're certified um, in this. Um, yes, I, I became MBTI certified uh, while at Gilt, mainly because I started to see deep connections between uh, types of uh, preferences mm -hmm. and uh, how those preferences work together, even how being aware mm -hmm. of preferences, uh, that awareness really helps guide how a team works better together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny because people hear MBTI and they also have a negative reaction to it, very similar to they hear PMO or PM or project management and they have a negative reaction to it. So mm -hmm. I, I'm finding like my my specialty is taking these things that people normally have a negative reaction to and broadening what that what that means and changing the definition of what that means and how it actually contributes yeah. to an agile way of yeah. being and thinking yeah should we go uh, should we go specific here what is an what is a good type indicator for an let's say a scrum master what is it? I, you know what I would say? It doesn't matter what the four-letter type is for a person <laughs> because uh, it depends on that individual's expression mm -hmm. of that type, right? Okay. So uh, you can generalize and say that you know the majority of software engineers may, be, may have an introverted preference, mm -hmm. right? They're not likely to uh, speak up. They like to put their headphones on and code. They like to really be... Uh, insulated, right, yeah. from outside distraction. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's it's their preference, but some of them may be great presenters and be very comfortable leading a room, which is mm -hmm. an extroverted preference. So it really depends on the individual's expression of type. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what was, what would, what has been very helpful is uh, leading teams through what is it? What does the four-letter type mean? Where do you fall in that preference? Because it is really a black or white. You know, you're either this or that. You're right-handed or left-handed. Right. Um, but what does that mean, and how does that play out within the dynamics of the rest of the team? Mm -hmm. And then how do you use those preferences uh, to your advantage? And also, where do you need to flex into the other preference mm -hmm. in order to make the team more successful? Mm -hmm. So I've used it in both an individual coaching uh, practice as well as team building. And as new initiative teams form, uh, we talk about, okay, well, what is the type of the team versus what is the type of guilt? Because you can kind of apply that same preference mm -hmm. type to um, a team or a company and then figure out what does that mean for you and how mm -hmm. does, how do you, where do you need to flex and grow? Yeah. Um, but it, it is a willingness to explore that, mm -hmm. you know, it is a willingness to um, grow and change. And I think that ties perfectly into how successful our teams with Agile is how are you? Are you an agile per person? Mm. Um, you know, are you willing to kind of explore and do retrospectives on yourself and constantly iterate on yourself and grow and flex and figure out what can you change and what can you make better? Mm -hmm. and, and then how does that apply to the workings of the team? So often we see um, agile teams be cross-functional going into various kind of uh, corners of technology, QA and, and, and so forth. Do you also apply that on those type indicators? Is that something like, well, this team 
has five extroverted people right now and we need to balance that out with two introverted is no I, I mean again because it, it isn't about um it isn't yeah. about trying to find people of certain types to balance out yeah. it's it's more of an awareness of how you contribute uh, or how do you express your unique type okay. um I would, you know, you would never use this uh, as a way to place people in teams, but it is a good, once the team is together, we talk about it and we become aware of how you express your type mm -hmm. and uh, how does that play out. For for me personally, um, I'll tell you my type because I'm very open about it. Uh, <laughs> I am an INFJ. So what that means is I uh, I prefer introversion. Uh, which surprises a lot of people because I do like to talk about things I'm quite passionate about. Uh, I could come across as an extroverted person, but I prefer introversion. Uh, the N is for intuition. So I'm a gut instinct mm -hmm. type of person. Um, the F is feeling. So I'm very empathetic and I could put myself into other people's shoes and understand their point of view and where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And and the J is kind of describes how I started out in product management, very task oriented, very disciplined, very list maker. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel that um, to be agile, I've really shifted that J preference from a judging preference into a perceiving preference, preference which is more about keeping options open, uh, more about exploring what's possible mm -hmm. and still getting things done, still driving towards uh, you know goals and targets but in a very more open, relaxed way than the list maker, the documentation person. You know, it's yeah. it has been a shift, and I've seen that shift uh, play out in my own MBTI. Yeah, maybe we can see with those four types. You know, and let's not call it buckets or categories or anything, but only with these four types, you see how many uh, possibilities there are actually in terms of uh, how many matches or not. I it just the. Uh, just before uh, this podcast, I was just going through the the types very quickly myself. Uh, oh yeah, and, yeah, and uh, actually uh, looked at it and says, "What would I be?" You know, and uh, we have one overlap. That's uh, so based on our numbers. I'm not telling you which one, but um, uh, we out of those four types, uh, we got one match. But it, I think my point is really that uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to be more successful at what I do than somebody else of a different type. Right. You know, it just means. I am very aware of how my preferences play out in my career and my work, mm -hmm. and I and that awareness helps me flex into the other preferences, like mm -hmm. when I need to. Um, it was it was very freeing for me mm -hmm. uh, to go through that process of understanding type preference and and also in working with individuals and teams. It's been extremely valuable to just get people talking about. Mm -hmm who they are and how they like to work. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes the agile scrum methodology can be difficult for people who prefer introversion because there is this like, let's go around the table and now, you, now it's your turn to speak about like, what are you doing today? What are you right. doing tomorrow? Like, what are your blockers? It's, it's, there's a lot of meetings, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of in-person collaboration. You have to be vocal. So right. How do you how do you find a way that maybe your most introverted person on the team can successfully participate in an agile methodology, but in their own authentic way, something that doesn't push them into a place where they're uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. um, so we explore a lot of different techniques uh, that 
that work for individualized teams um, based on what's going to work best for them and what's mm-hmm. going to make the, the people on that team feel good about the process. Yeah. So Heather, I have a question though uh, about your four types. Okay. Uh, you have a degree uh, with a major in theater. Yes, I do. And you describe yourself <laughs> as an introvert. Yes. How does that work together? How could you, how could you uh, prefer I... introvert? And um, over over extrovert. Well, the uh, the real the real key to understanding introversion and extroversion is energy. Where do you get your energy from? Mm-hmm. Uh, extroverted preference people that prefer extroversion generally get their energy from interacting and socializing with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they enjoy uh, the face to face communication. They they feel energized after that kind of thing. Uh, for me, uh, it's draining on me. Like I don't necessarily, uh, I can do it, meaning I, you know, can uh, go to parties and mingle and talk to a lot of people, but it is physically draining for me. I lose energy when I do that. Uh, where mm-hmm. I get my energy from is from internal introspection, right? Thinking about um, things on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think about things and then I like to uh, act on them as opposed to extroversion, which is act and then think. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, yes, I have a theater degree and I I have performed in a lot of plays, uh, but there is something about character development that's very internal. Even though you are performing, um, there is a piece of that that happens inside. Right, of course. Right. Uh, Do you think that helped you at all? that um, degree and something like really outside of PMO and uh, software engineering work? Do you, do you see any kind of things where you look back, you look at teams, you know, like, you know, you pull in certain knowledge and experience from your theater work? Well, I think uh, it has definitely helped in the, em- the empathy piece of what, what I do, right? Okay. Uh, being able to put yourself in another person's shoes and understand their point of view, where they're coming from, that helps tremendously, whether you're trying to understand uh, a request from a business partner mm-hmm. or why an engineer f- is frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really helps to understand what are they going through and, and what can, like, what are they experience, experiencing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, the theater world in general is also very, like, date-driven, Right. So there is the show has to happen on a certain date. So that discipline of um, making sure that all of the pieces connect and all of the things get done so that you can have the show is a very, very similar thing to what we do in project management. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's just so. So for now, let's if we summarize halfway here, we have the guild group, a group of thousand people have adopted agile. You are. Um, spearheading the PMO efforts. You are all about just enough process. What's interesting is you are in the luxury consumer goods industry, mm-hmm. but you don't have a luxury process. It's what not- do you mean by a luxury process? <laughs> <laughs> you have a just enough process, right? So bare bone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, so that's an, that's a very interesting uh, uh, approach. You guys have used Scrum. You guys have used uh, various kinds of processes. Um, but let's go business. Let's go over to the business side. Um, how has business changed and replied to your um, agile work? I mean, you have been doing this now for three years. I three think. and a half years three here. Half yeah. years. So it, what's the feedback you're getting? You know what? It, it has not been easy. 
Uh, I think that a lot of folks come from more traditional style project management ways of working. They're expecting uh, full project plans, right? They're expecting everything uh, to be date driven. Um, I think that's just how people are used to working. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done in socializing agile throughout the organization and getting people to buy in and understand why it works and why it's valuable and why it's going to push us further and, and allow us to innovate in areas that we normally wouldn't. Um, so we've done a lot of speaking around this topic, uh, both internally and externally, and we've kind of, we've dubbed it the social experiment. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it is an experiment. It is, uh, and it, we're trying to, see if it will be successful and and essentially what it is is uh we understand that strategy corporate strategy starts you know at the top uh c-level execs figure out what they want to invest in for the coming 12 months right mm -hmm. uh it's high level it's strategic it is it is maybe like a one sentence area of focus and then from strategy we start to break that down into what initiatives would we need to uh, execute on in order to support that corporate strategy? So it kind of gets broken down a little bit further. Mm. And from there, we start doing some preliminary models around, okay, what would be successful financially? Or maybe it's not about the finances, but it's a more strategic move. Mm -hmm. um, we decide what initiatives we're going to work on. And then what we do, we start talking about who we need right, the people to support those initiatives. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it is a combination of technologists and business partners. Like, how are we all going to support this initiative? What are the KPIs? Mm -hmm. um, so we go through a rigorous process of figuring out what's important and defining those KPIs. Um, and when we're building the teams, we think about them in not in terms of roles. It's not like, I need an engineer, I need a UX person, I need a product manager, a project manager, a QA person. Mm -hmm. It's We talk about people in terms of the qualities or we call them ingredients, the ingredients that they bring to the team. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a list of, of ingredients that and qualities that we go through to determine uh, the right makeup and of each team. Mm -hmm. um, so we go like, and it allows us a way to kind of connect, okay, this initiative and this team to the corporate strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and then those teams form and they take those KPIs and they start discussing them with their business partners and together coming up with, okay, what does our backlog look like? Mm -hmm. What are the, what are the things that we should be doing to move the needle? So that's really where the, the agile methodology kicks in. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is very different than um, a roadmap driven methodology, yes. mm -hmm. uh, which, which some teams still operate under uh, because there is like, we're still growing and we're still shifting and we're still um, working with all of the people at Guilt in how we can be more agile as a company. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said earlier, a lot of people believe the right way is the roadmap process uh, where you plan out an entire year, including um, capacity planning and yes. project plans and dates. And but we, mm -hmm. we're trying to get people to understand that we're in such a state of growth and change. The minute you put that roadmap together, 
some new idea is going to come up or somebody's going to change their mind or somebody wants to shift direction and then you have to start over. And there's so much wasted in the planning and replanning process that we want to uh, get everybody to adopt this KPI driven methodology and this more agile way of working because we believe it brings deeper partnerships. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is this everybody's working together towards these measurable common goals Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, okay, we have to get this project done on this date. Otherwise, like, it's going to be a disaster. Um, It's just a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And it has been hard to shift uh, to that way of thinking. And we're constantly working on that. So it is like an ongoing ongoing mission. (laughs) (laughs) So, but some of those uh, strategies and those visions you guys had three years ago, three and a half years ago, are implemented at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, using Agile, is there any kind of feedback to people who have maybe been with a guild group prior to that? Is it like something has changed to the positive? Is there anything which stands out where you would say, if you would go out to some business folks right now at, at guild and say, what do you, what is it you experience as something positive or, or negative um, within Agile process? What would be like some things we would be hearing? Uh, flexibility, adaptability. Uh, the ability to pivot and change direction quickly without it feeling like a negative consequence. You know, I think that there is just this general optimism uh, that comes from working in this way as, and, and it is a management by trust philosophy, like that we trust everyone that we work with to make the right decisions for guilt Mm-hmm. And we do that by giving them autonomy and giving them the room to innovate and come up with ideas and to contribute to the corporate strategy. Um, that has been huge for guilt tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the engineers that have been here for for this journey have definitely seen the benefits of, you know, I'm not handing you a list of things you have to execute against that you had no input on. You know, it is a discussion. It is we do this together and you have as much input into this process as anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is that just has tremendous uh, value. You know, if you're going to work at guilt, um, you're a part of it. You're a part of the company. It's not just things that you're told to do every day. You are a part of making things happen. So. This is really awesome. We're really learning about an agile PMO. There's a, there's a lot of writing out there, a lot of uh, critique. Should there be a PMO? Is there an existence of a PMO? Here's an example for a company is doing something right um, in a very good size, comparable company, I would say a large size company, 1,000 employees uh, within PMO, uh, where agile processes and ideas are being uh, introduced and, as you said, ongoingly refined. Um, so um, I want to thank you because uh, we're somewhat reaching the end of our uh, podcast here together. I want to thank you for spending uh, 30 minutes with me. I, uh, I think it was well spent. The only thing I regret is uh, that we recorded this at uh, 12 o'clock and I just missed a flash sale. Yes. Missed the sales for today, but there's always going to be more tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you, and uh, maybe we see each other at uh, one of those Agile NYC events. Uh, maybe you Sounds want to stop great. by at uh, one of those conferences. Uh, bring some of your colleagues uh, from New York. We are in New York, and uh, the 18th of September will be our next uh, Agile Day. Wonderful. Thank you.
wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.